0: to the Bundesliga show, it's, it's great actually turning around again and saying welcome to the Football Review Show with myself, Gav Mac, Alex Osborne and we've got Florian Wolfram as well and you'll be like, who's Florian Wolfram? Well, I met Flo in Abuza at the end of last season, Probably, in fact, I think it's our year anniversary this weekend.
1: Yeah, kind of, I believe it was like end of May when there were the... Uh uh, no, it was in the beginning of May. We already had our year anniversary, like fifth or sixth yeah, May. It was.
0: Yeah, it was. It was the last games
1: of the, cha- of the La- last, Premier League, last Premier League season. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, wasn't
2: it? Wasn't it the uh, Aaron Ramsey uh, when he came out and accepted those uh, gifts at the Arsenal?
0: I'm not. I'm not ready to get over that yet. <laughs> yeah. No, me neither. <laughs> well, welcome, boys, to to up top, and welcome everybody who's watching as well we're going to be reviewing everything that's happened in the Bundesliga because football is back. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh. Yeah. I'm not like, excited in the slightest.
1: Yeah.
0: Cheers, um, to this. <laughs> cheers to dear. that. Cheers to I don't know where your beer is, Alex. Uh,
1: I drank it
2: earlier. Let's, uh, let's leave it at that.
0: That's fair enough. That's no problem at all. <laughs> Well, as I said, once again, welcome, everybody. And without further ado, we've got to start with the televised game, haven't we? British Dortmund 4, Schalke 0. Goal scorers were um, Erling Haaland after 29 minutes. Imagine Erling Haaland scoring a goal for Dortmund. doesn't happen very often. Um, Guero scored a brace. And Torgen Hazard, he also scored one just after half-time. Boys. What was your, well, first of all, before we dip into that game, um, I'll come to you, Alex, first. What's it like having football back? Uh,
2: It feels like all the Christmases are rolled into one. Um, Enough of this watching Gary Neville's soccer box or old Premier League highlights or old Italian highlights or German football highlights. It's enough. It's got some live action to comment on. It's uh, it's great. It feels feels great.
1: Feels warm. What about you, Flo? Yeah, for me, it's uh, the same, basically. But regarding my work, it's even better because if you work for a football club and, you know, we were all suffering and a little struggling the last weeks, all the clubs in Germany, and now we have football back and have, like, kind of more security back. It's the best that could happen and I hope that um, it will maintain for a couple of weeks, at least for the end of the season.
0: Brilliant. We'll talk more about your role at Leverkusen later on in the show, but let's dip into this first game. Dortmund for Schalke nil. Now, over the years schalke don't actually mind going to signal the Duna park and, and causing a bit of an upset what are your thoughts on the game flow
1: yeah i think uh, schalke performed like they performed two weeks before the corona breakdown so they were really really struggling they um, they lack of uh, of good cap of they have a lack of a good captain they they don't they don't have leaders in their team and uh, you just saw that Borussia Dortmund has way better players than they have. And fr- from my point of view, I don't know how Schalke managed to come to the top of the table in last winter. So now they're on the way back where they belong, I guess.
0: Mm. The first goal came from Erling Haaland. Alex, what were your thoughts on that goal? Uh, it, was,
2: it, was, it was a good move. It was a lovely finish and it sort of highlighted um, what I think a lot of these early season uh, early season games <laughs> these, early, these early games are going to be back like um, <laughs> I know I know um, I, I think we to find that they've got a very much not like a pre-season feel to them but with players still trying to find their match fitness back you're you're going to you're going to see um a lot of players probably getting tired which is why sort one of the, one of the notes I made from the weekend is a lot of the naturally fit athletes who play are going to stand out, and one of those for me was Hakimi for Dortmund. The, oh, they kind of play him as a wing back, don't they? Sort of wide defensive player, but there was a couple of times where he made some really foraging runs down the right hand side, which were quite threatening. And, and Flo, I'm, I'm sure you you'd have seen him on a sort of a very consistent basis this season. Probably can attest to that. Um, and he was quite instrumental in that first goal for Dortmund providing the cross, I believe, to uh, the a lovely finish for Haaland uh, in the end, wasn't it? And nicely laid it across his body and finished it into the bottom corner.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, Hakimi is probably the best uh, full-backs in the Bundesliga at the moment because he combines uh, in a great way strength and uh, technical abilities. So, mm. sad that he will go back to Real Madrid in summer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he, he he
2: probably will, and uh, I mean, if if he ever does come up available, I can imagine he'd be quite. He would go for a lot of money because he would be pricey. But I would I would be surprised if Real Madrid let him go. Though it all depends on how they view. Was who it uh, who's there at the moment, Carvajal? So it all depends on how they view that there. But I I think uh, agree with Flo. He should be their future really down there down that right hand side.
0: Um, Rainer was due to start the game, but he well, I think he pulled up just to, just in training. I think he was in the when you first saw the lineup come out at around um, half past one in the afternoon. It, he was down to start, and instead it was Julian Brandt who played, and he played in a little bit of more withdrawn role. Do you think that he was instrumental? Well, personally, I think he was instrumental yesterday. But do you think that he might have found his new niche?
1: I think he already had found his uh, niche in Leverkusen because when we got our coach, Peter Boss, last year in January, uh, he transformed him from a winger to a centre midfielder and Julian Brandt performed quite well there together with Kai Havertz and uh, I was wondering why Dortmund wouldn't let him play in, in the centre midfield but now as they did, you can see how uh, valuable he is for or well, he can be for a team.
0: Mm. Uh, the pick of the goals, in my opinion, was, was, the, was the fourth goal uh, from Guerrero. He doesn't want to use his right peg whatsoever, <laughs> does he? And he he made sure of it. I mean, I, um well, uh, well Hazard's uh, Hazard's goal was was a was a joy to watch as well. I think the goalkeeper could have done a little bit better with that. But he still hit it pretty hard. But yeah, the fourth goal was was beautiful. You know, little link-up play, Julian Brandt was involved in that as well. Uh Erling Hazard sh- uh, um Erling Hazard. Erling I can't get his name out, Haaland, showing that he's not just someone who scores goals. He can link up, play, he can hold a ball up, he can pass, he can do everything. He's the complete striker.
2: Absolutely. Um, and uh, just to piggyback off uh, Flo's point there about Julian Brandt, it seems to me that when he plays in a more wider role, he's, his vision is kind of it's very much only half used, because when you play a wide role, you, the only passes you can really make are in-field, aren't they? But when you play him in the centre of the pitch, he then got the wider range to use his sort of vision to be able to pick out passes to his left, to his, to his right, going forwards. And I think you get more out of him being effectively there, because I think I put in our group chat that he was kind of pulling the strings yesterday for, for Dortmund. Um, and I, I was a little bit, as I say, a bit disappointed by Schalke. I thought they were just a bit too a bit too reckless defensively, um, and I don't know whether I don't know how long David Wagner's been at Schalke for. I can't imagine he's been there too long. Uh, I don't recall him being starting the, uh, the season as the Schalke manager. They mentioned on the commentary that they had a few issues, which you pointed to, and they also mentioned about. I think they've had a couple of issues with their goalkeeper as well. The goalkeeper was playing yesterday, is not their first choice. They were saying. And they've got a few issues trying to replace him, or something along the lines of a contract dispute, or something along along that. I can't quite remember what they said, but it was definitely not their first choice goalkeeper yesterday, which might explain Hazard's goal.
1: Um, Yeah, they had lots of trouble with their goalkeepers. And maybe in terms of Schalke, it's good to know that you have either way very good, very high on the top, or just very low at the bottom, especially from the media and from the fans. And in summer, They had the German under-21 goalkeeper, Alexander Nübel. And uh, he played great for the under-21 team. He had a great uh, past season. And um, everyone was saying, this is the new German national keeper. So naturally, Bayern Munich wants to sign him. And his contract (laughs) ends at the end of this season. So Bayern Munich signed him uh, without any kind of fee. And uh, the Schalke fans are quite emotionally. And they were really angry at Nübel and after, after Christmas he played very poorly. When he signed the contract for Bayern Munich, he played very poorly for Schalke, had some mistakes, and uh, they changed the goalkeeper to Marcus Schubert, who was in the uh, second league last year with Dynamo Dresden. Played quite well, was also part of the under-21 national team, but it seems like the pressure is uh, too high for him at the moment, because he wasn't that sure before the break and now in his first match he made this little mistake with the third goal, I believe. Yeah, they're quite quite suffering at the moment with the goalkeeper, Schalke.
0: Well, let's talk about Bayern Munich. Um, we've just watched that game. I haven't got the graphic for that, if I'm honest with you. Um, but um, Union Berlin nil, Bayern Munich two. Uh, the goals came from um, from Lewandowski from the spot, and then uh, then Pavard just towards the end with a header. The first goal, well, there was a goal just beforehand, and watching it over and over again, I'm livid that it was actually disallowed. However, I have finally seen the actual VAR situation, and I fully understand why that was shorts off. So uh, the first goal, it was a Navry header across goal, um, and then Thomas Muller nodded it in. The reason why I was kicking off is because it appeared to me That Nabry and Muller were level, but um, what's his name? Um, Muller's leg, Muller's right leg, was slightly ahead of the ball. Very, very slightly.
2: Yeah, and the and the ball goes forward, doesn't it? So when it goes forward, then they count it as offside. So I but, I, no, I actually no, put down if, here if in my if notes: he
0: level, if he was dead level, then that would have been fine. If he if he, if he was if he was level with an he would have been fine. But he wasn't. His right leg was slightly off. So. I mean,
2: I've actually put down here in my notes that I, from the games that I watched this see, this weekend, which was about five or six of the ones that was uh, shown on TV here in Britain, um, that there wasn't too many controversies that I can think of at all involving VAR. So, I, I want to ask Flo, what? And this is what is it the second season that VAR has been used in the Bundesliga? Is it cause was it introduced last year, or is it even more longer than ago than that?
1: No, it's like the third season already. So, we uh, had the, the year before World Cup 2018 was the first year in Germany, mm-hmm. and this was a very poor year, so uh, there was always struggling, and the fans hated it, they still hate it. But at the World Cup, we saw quite a good version of VAR, we tried to transform that to the Bundesliga, but we still didn't got it, so I don't know. It's... Um, Is England
0: always so far behind Germany with everything? Yeah, nation, <laughs> we really are. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we
1: really are. <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I was going. I was going to ask. I mean, how how has it been? What's the perception of VAR been like this season?
1: It's definitely better than two years ago, but it still is. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of it, and it still didn't got to a, a huge or to a better to more improve higher improvement. So mm. VAR is still like a poor thing because you celebrate and they, they still need too long to, I don't know, allow a goal or not or. To focus on the on the decision, then they watch it again, watch it over again, and it's not that uh, that, that transparent, you know you can't uh, really understand the decisions of the referee. I remember when I watched the 2018 World Cup, and they showed already the scenes in the TV picture, and you could see what the referee was watching, and we still don't have that in Germany, so that would oh, well. be a, a little bit more understandable for the fans. But I believe our fans wouldn't care anyway because every time you have a VAR decision, to, especially the fans, uh, the fans in the stands, where most of the loyal fans are, uh, hate it and are singing against VAR and are singing against German Football Association. Yeah, so we, it's it's not it's not accepted well, in German
2: so. stadiums. So, yeah. I was gonna say it, it sounds very uh, like a familiar story over here as well. Uh, so
1: uh, we don't want to repeat the
2: chant that's usually sang when VAR gets involved. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's very true. There might be kids watching now. The yeah, first goal in this game came from the penalty spot. It was um, Lewandowski who scored it. His 40th goal in all competitions, 26th in the league. The guy is an absolute machine. He's the best number nine in on the planet right now. I don't care what anyone says. But it's Nevin Subotic who gave the foul away. He didn't actually know where Leon Goretzka was. Do you think it... Is there a little bit of harshness around the penalty being given?
1: I have to admit that I couldn't watch the match because uh, I had a Zoom conference with my grassroots team and we were talking about uh, continuing playing football in the grassroots. So I missed most of the match I can't talk
0: that much
2: about my Munich music. I'll give you that. Okay, so uh, I'll step in. I thought it was a penalty, uh, even though it may may seem harsh, but I definitely thought it was a penalty, the correct decision. And uh, yeah, uh, Lewandowski stepped up nicely and coolly, slotted it away. well, not, they, with the Jorginho technique, with the little skip in the air, wasn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, little skip in the air. I'm not a big fan of that, I'm not going to lie. But um, he put it away and, yeah, he's just continuing his goal-scoring record. Is an absolute monster. Um, Pavard hit the side net in on half-time. Um, Coman, he had an opportunity, cross all shot, I have no idea. But the second goal, I was really impressed because it was an attack down the right wing. And Pavard, well, the, the defenders shepherded it out and it's going, for, it's going for a goal kick. It's looking good. And Pavard's found a way of getting around him mm-hmm. and knocking mm-hmm. it off him. And it goes out from a corner and the goal comes directly from that corner. Lovely, lovely header. And yeah, other than that, the game flow, you didn't really miss much. My um, missus, she was like, this is the most boring game I've seen in ages. Well,
1: that's typical for most of the Bayern Munich matches. As a usual fan, not a Bayern Munich fan, you don't miss anything because most of the time they win. No surprises. Mm. No one likes them. It's like like in the the Sun article.
0: Um, Union Berlin, their form, it's not great. They've won two, um, drawn one, and lost three of their last six games. They're not doing too bad in the table considering they've only just come up. But I'm worried about their squad. It's a very aging squad. Now, um, they've got In their their squad that they took today, I think they took 19 players. One, two, three, four, five, eight players are over 30. We were talking yesterday, because we can't go to the pub over here, of course, so we had a little group chat, me and me and a couple of of my pals, and we were talking about German football. There's not many old players in German football, is there? It's a constant conveyor belt of young players and new talent that's coming through. There's no real old german players knocking around so what do union berlin think is okay to hoard all the, all the old players
1: i think that they uh, don't really have like like a plan for the couple of next years to develop a team because the most important for them is to uh, stay in the league it's their first time in the bundesliga and mm. um, you have sometimes if you have a runner up they have the same strategy so they come up and they they promote in the Bundesliga and the first they will do is just to keep the league. And uh, they sign some older players from clubs which aren't uh, asked anymore over there, which aren't important for the other clubs in the Bundesliga. So they're like the best of the rest team because they don't have that high budget. And um, I believe that's the reason why they try to focus on that many old players.
0: Do you think they'll struggle a lot because of the playing behind closed doors? Their fans are raucous. You know, they've only got, I think their stadium only holds something like 22,000, but they are very, very loud. Do you think this is going to be a hindrance to them?
1: Definitely. I've been to their stadium in February when we played there with Leverkusen. And if you have, I don't know, you have 20,000 capacity of 20,000 and 17,000 are standing, the standing area. And like 2,000 of them are guest fans and the other 15,000 Union Berlin fans are just screaming out loud and singing the whole time during the match. It's incredible. So it's, it's it was a great atmosphere. Maybe the, one of the best atmospheres this year and I've been to Ibrox with Leverkusen as well. So this is definitely it's a huge uh, dismiss for them if they don't have their fans behind their back.
0: And Alex, flights to Berlin are like oh, 30 quid when lockdown's over. I'm thinking about it. If uh, Well... I, need well, to, I think I might have to clear that with the first. I don't think you will happen, but I'll try. Um, uh, we we'll, we'll think we'd, say-
2: we'd love to go to a German game, wouldn't we? I mean, especially if the tickets are quite affordable, uh, so I'm led to believe,
1: compared to what they are over
2: here.
1: Yeah, they are really affordable. It uh, depends where you buy the tickets. But if you've got like, someone on the inside like me, I will show you the areas where the tickets are quite cheap, where you pay, I don't know, 20 euros for a ticket or something like that. And I believe this is something you can't compare to a ticket at Arsenal at the Embryoids. <laughs> you
0: might get a ticket for 20 quid, but it would be like a League, um, a league Cup match yeah. <laughs> against Nottingham Forest or something like that. Uh, we're going to stay in Berlin and we're going to go to the Hoffenheim game. Hoffenheim nil, her to Berlin three. Um, I have got graphics for that, so that will be fine. Um, it, it was nil nil at half time. And, um, yeah, all the goals came in the second half. There was uh, Ak- Ak- Akpaguma's own goal. Um, and then Vedan Ibisevic haunting his old side on the hour mark. And then Kunja, who scored with 15 minutes to go. But um, her to Berlin are probably one of the weirdest and most unpredictable sides in Bundesliga football. Now, a lot of people will be getting on this Bundesliga uh, wagon. For, for because it's, it's football that's come back, but I've been following Bundesliga for well over a decade, and what I notice about Hertha Berlin when they are in the top flight is that their home form is what normally keeps them up, and it's their away form where they where they struggle the most. But so to go to to Hoffenheim and get a result that's that's pretty big.
1: It's uh, Hertha Berlin is cl- quite full of surprises. Usually they're a team that are not. Quite uh, interesting for the top of the league. So They usually play between rank number 7 and 12. It depends whether it's a good year or a bad year. But since they are the club of the capital, they always want to improve or always have big dreams, but they can't realize it. I don't know if you had uh, watched it or seen it in, Eng- in England. So they got an investor at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And he know, wants to, or said he wants to spend around, around 200 million for the team. And installed Jürgen Klinsmann as as head coach and said, "Okay, yeah, he said Hertha is a big city club. That were his words. But they behave so poorly that everyone calls them just a big shitty club. That is uh, West Ham all over, isn't (laughs) it? Yeah, it sounds like it. The the Sun mentioned that in their uh, article. I don't know if you read it. <laughs>
0: I, I did, I did. They are, they are definitely West Ham. They're, they're, they play in the city. You know, they, they're in the capital. They should be a big club. They've in the former Olympic stadium. stadium, they play. Oh, teams, <laughs> but They haven't got it. Um, well,
2: here's here's a question for you, Flo. Uh, my my best mate Martin, who I live with, he he's uh he's been a fan of German football for quite a number of years, and he was telling me that uh, traditionally. It's more of the Northwest in Germany, is where the sort of powerhouse is and where most of the the, foot, uh, the money has been when it comes to German football, and not so much in Berlin because for some reason it just hasn't quite worked out that way. Is that, is that the case? Is that kind of over history? That's kind of how it's played out in, in, in sort of the Bundesliga and German football in, in general?
1: Yeah, that's quite the case. In German football in general, you have huge amounts of clubs in the West and in the Southwest especially in the former uh, Federal Republic of Germany. So these are the good clubs. And in the the East German part, the clubs were all struggling after the uh, Berlin Wall collapsed because they had no money and all the clubs went down. So most of the East German clubs are playing now third league or second league or fourth league, but none in the first league. Union Berlin is the the only club from uh, back then who is now in the first league. And you can't count Leipzig because they... uh, Sponsored by Red Bull, and they have no link to the to the old times. Yeah, and I don't know. Hertha was always like a little bit separate in the Bundesliga. They never managed to be on top or had to have a good time. And since the, we are a common Germany or a united Germany again, they were like a, like like grey mice. We would say in Germany, no one looks at them. They're not interesting. Even in their own city, you have so many people living in Berlin, Berlin who are not from Berlin. So they don't aren't inter- oh, interested kind of in dogs? Hertha. Yeah, they have they have their clubs all over the republic, and you have many many sports in Berlin. You have like great basketball, great handball, ice hockey. So like the whole population spreads somewhere, but uh, not for the football. You have just a couple of fans at football matches. They play in the Olympic Stadium for seventy five thousand, but usually have forty thousand attendants. So if that,
2: yeah, that must look uh, strange, strange to half full. Yeah.
0: I've had the pleasure of being there before. It was against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt and there's about 35,000 fans there. Um, going back four years, tickets, €15, Euros, beer, €3 Euros at the ground. You know, we can bull in a Kindle. Good stuff that is, good for the soul. Um, but yeah, let's go back to the game. Um, Hoffenheim, they've got a, a little production line coming through. They've got a young lad, Max Beyer. He's 17 years old. What's, what's his future looking like? Do you know much about him, Flo?
1: I have to admit I don't really know much about him, but uh, Hoffenheim is well known for a quite good youth academy in Germany. It's uh, their philosophy to develop young players and maybe sell them uh, for a good price. For example, in the last year, they sold I don't know three players to Leverkusen for an amount of fifty million euros or sixty million euros. So there, that's kind of their business model, because um, yeah, they have no alternatives. You know, the club hasn't a huge fan base. They were a grassroots club, and the SAP founder uh, Dietmar Hopp just gave them his money. And um, yeah, they don't have that many fans. They have uh, lots of uh, clubs around them, with Karlsruhe in second league, Stuttgart a little more in the south, where the fans are going. So their their niche is to develop young players, and they very often have some quite decent players, decent young players in their squad.
0: Alex, you might remember, just before lockdown when we were doing the show and stuff, we were speaking about Hoffenheim.
2: I was going to say, I recognise the name that uh, Flo dropped there with the, with the owner. Dietmar Hopp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. there was protests against him or there had been protests against
1: him. Yeah, there have been uh, lots of protests and huge protests in the past 15 years since uh, Hoffenheim promoted the Bundesliga. Because for fanatic fans, for the ultras, he is like the symbol of uh, commercialism and the symbol of uh, a waste of money in football and uh, the change of football to the bad side. And um, that's why they protest against him, why they uh, try to bully him. But uh, they say it's just he is the symbol and that's the way why they do it so hard. And it's not, it should not be a personal uh, threat to him something like that, although they threaten him with, with banners and with, uh, with chants and something like that. Mm. But they don't mean it personally to him. That's their logic because um, they just want to, uh, to make sure that the whole system of football or to point out that the whole system of football is corrupt and uh, goes the wrong way. That's just, those are the reasons for the huge protests. Fair enough.
0: Um, yeah, Werner um he was on the go- he, like, um, he was on the, on the score sheet and um and kunya as well his goal I was probably one of the pick of the goals of the weekend actually won it won the ball by the corner flag took his man on and um, and then put it in the in the top far, uh, far top corner i didn't realize that kunya's only 20 because i remember watching him at, Le- at leipzig thinking yeah this guy's decent he scored one of the best goals in the history of mankind i think I'll, i'm going to have to find it on youtube and uh, and stick it onto onto our page but the guy's only 20. I can't believe it. Um, bags of potential. He's going to go very, very far. He won't be a hurter for the rest of his career, for sure.
1: I believe the, the Cunha goal you just named, he scored against Leverkusen. I can remember that goal.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Leipzig, so we might as well go to Leipzig. It was um, RB Leipzig 1, Freiburg 1. Uh, the goals came from Gulda, um, 11 minutes b- before um, half time, and then Yusuf Poulsen with 13 minutes to go in the match. Before the game started, it was clear that Leipzig would win this game. You know, um, w- w- uh, Freiburg—they're not, they're not exactly terrible. You know, they're not doing too badly in the league. They're seventh in the league. Um, they're very close to a Europa League position at the moment. Uh, Leipzig, they've had a bit of a fall from grace, haven't they? They've—they've they've, Their last six have drawn one, uh, sorry, they've drawn four and only won two of those games. And towards the beginning of the season, it was like, right, is this Leipzig's year? What what's, what sort of happened with Leipzig? Why are they falling apart?
1: I really don't know. It seems like the, the winter break wasn't good for them because before Christmas they were like head of the league and played a great uh, season so far. And they played very constantly. And that's the, the key to win the German League. German League. If Munich suffers, you need to be there every time. and You need to be there constantly. And it seemed that they were there this time. Mm. But after the winter break, as it happened so often, they, uh, they had a little crush down. I don't know what the problems are, actually, because they have one of the best coaches. They performed quite well in Champions League with knocking Tottenham Hotspur out. So um, I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> why, why so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they can't perform in, uh, in Bundesliga anymore, or perform so bad. They simply don't use their chances or don't take their chances because they had many chances as well on uh, Saturday. Well,
2: um, can, so I, you know, uh, uh, sorry, Gav, yeah, sorry, uh, I just wanted to jump in there because it's, it's, uh, I don't know whether you made, meant to make the link, but. You mentioned the coach there, Flo uh, Julian Nagoldman. If, if my pronunciation is correct, it's there, perfect. But, oh, brilliant! Thank you. Um, so he was obviously he, he was he was the head coach at Hoffenheim, wasn't he? Before he came over to Leipzig, and it was quite a unique move, from what I can understand, about how they announced he was going to be their manager a full season before he actually took over. What is the what is the public's view of of uh, Nagelsmann are they are they uh, holding him up to be the new coming of the future German head coach? Is he is he because he has been linked with not just jobs in Germany but from jobs around Europe as well. Uh, and I know that he, he was certainly a, a manager which was linked with the Arsenal job at various times in the past uh, and other big clubs as well. What's what's the view on him uh, from within from within Germany uh, there, Flo of of Nagelsmann?
1: Yeah, he's seen as the next uh, top manager. Maybe the next kind of uh, Jurgen Klopp in terms of success. Because he started with I don't know, 28 years old. When he was 28 years old, he took the job at Hoffenheim. He was a former under-19 coach. had a great um, education from the German Football Association. He was like one of the best uh, young coaches in his final year. And uh, then he managed to improve Hoffenheim, so he first saved them from relegation. Afterwards, he established them in the in the table then he qualified for Champions League with them, just made one improvement after another and uh, now the step to Leipzig is like the next logical for him because maybe Bayern Munich or Arsenal or something like Man United, PSG, I don't know, were, would have been a bit too high but in, in Leipzig he has a project where he can develop with the project and where he uh, aims at winning titles with Leipzig. Last year they were in the cup final had uh, um, and missed it against Bayern Munich so I guess during the couple of next years if he stays there and if they stay calm, they will definitely win a title sooner or later.
0: Mm. He definitely gets a tune out of teams, you know, yeah. in in the first half of this game, in the first fifteen minutes, there was a number of opportunities that they had which were you know, very unfortunate to to miss them. In particular Tyler Adams, Timo Werner. It was a lot of domination. That's what they that's what he sort of tends to install into his teams, isn't it? He wants to get in their faces and put a lot of pressure on.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the philosophy of, uh, of Leipzig. And that's also the philosophy of uh, Nagelsmann. That's why there's such a good match. He had this philosophy before in Hoffenheim, and that's why uh, Ralf Rangnick, the former um, sports CEO, wanted to have him desperately in his team. Mm. And the model that uh, Rangnick signed him and was coach for a year wasn't new for Leipzig because he's like thinking in a bigger picture and if he wants a, a coach he focuses on that coach and if the, that coach is not available in the actual year he just coach is just a coach as well does it for one year and then goes back in the uh, in the role to make yeah space for the new coach that's what he did when they were in second league and he promoted with them and the year the, he made, he was coach in Premier League and, and German Bundesliga I believe they finished third or something like that so you can see yes. Ralph Ragnick is also quite a decent coach.
2: I was going to mention
1: that uh, I, uh,
2: Ralph Ragnick almost kind of seems like not the godfather of this modern-day German football, but he certainly mentioned as being a heavy influence over play, over managers such as Jürgen Klopp, um, Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, who's playing his trade over here in, in Southampton, as you mentioned, now uh, play, uh, managers like Julian Nagelsmann. Is that the kind of case that... Uh, that is the kind of case that um, he is seen in such an influential figure in German football.
1: Yeah, that is. If you want, if you would name someone to to build the club from the bottom to the top, it would definitely be uh, definitely be Rangnick. Like I don't know if, if you guys know, but he did the same with Hoffenheim. He uh, I don't know was installed as a manager in third league. He promoted all the way with them to uh, to Bundesliga before he changed the club and. Uh, with a little adventure in Schalke, he went to Leipzig, so definitely one of the best men in German football, one of the most competent men. But sadly, he uh, suffers. Uh, he suffered from uh, depression like eight or nine years ago. That's why he stopped his uh, his job at Schalke in 2011 when they were playing really good. So I believe they, he was in the Champions League semi-final with Schalke, for example. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you remember the name. They had, where... they had
0: a really good side, that Schalke side. Well, well, well,
1: Raoul. Um... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was Jefferson Farfan, who was about 97 years old at that point and still and still turning out. um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened. Um, Back to this game very quickly. Um, The first goal came from from Freiburg, which was almost unexpected. The corner came in from um, Vincenzo Grifo everyone thought it actually went in directly off him but it didn't it was actually flicked off uh, Manuel Gulda and there it was 1-0 but it was still Leipzig before then after then they were peppering 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 they got their goal from, uh, from a Paulson header but they still almost lost it in the last couple of moments Alex can you can you talk me it's
2: through a, that it was a, it was a ruled out goal from VAR, wasn't it? I believe um, in the what in the injury time, I, I, as as far as I'm concerned. Um, which it seemed, it did seem uh, it was the correct decision in terms of if you're going by the law of the game, it was offside. But it was one of those where it was like it seemed like his kneecap was offside rather than you know. And <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's good. Well, I say good to see. It seems like the same issues that we have here in the Premier League are the same kind of issues you have in the Bundesliga. And maybe it's an issue with the actual law of the offside as itself. Probably needs uh, a revisiting with the introduction. Fine, exactly, yeah. Because, because
0: technically, as you say, he is offside. But really, was he? I I don't think there was any complaint from anybody. They were ready to take centre again. I think the only complaint from, from Leipzig was we should have defended that a lot better. And yeah. I felt that they didn't. Yeah. And they were angry with each other. I don't think there was any gestations towards the match officials in any way, shape or form. But every goal has to be checked. So there it was. Um, let's go to Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt won, Munching Gladback 3. I, I expected this to happen. Uh, a nice, comfortable win for, for Gladbach but I missed the first seven minutes because I was watching a, an episode of Mindhunter. I lost track of time and I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, look at the time. Right, okay, I need to turn it on. And then I turned on. It was 2-0 already. I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> 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 the goal came from uh, came from player um, uh, Alessand player. Uh, it's his ninth in twenty three games. Uh, there's talk of him going to Barcelona in the summer. Um, he scored after thirty five seconds. Uh, the second goal from from the the son of World Cup winner Lilian Taram, his, his, his lad um, Marcus Taram after seven minutes. Um, ben Baini he scored from the penalty spot, and he's, um, he, he's pretty shiny himself as well. And the third goal isn't actually um, sorry, the fourth goal isn't actually from Paulson as uh, as the graphics suggest. It was actually from Andre Silva. Uh, so Andre Silva, uh, who um, he was at Severe, no, yeah, was at Sevilla? it Severe? Was at AC Milan on loan, and um, yeah, he got the he got the the, the goal to, to bring it back a little bit. Mönchengladbach, once again, they're another weird one. You know, they, they qualify for European competitions on a regular basis but don't really do anything with it. But their squad isn't exactly a bad squad, is it?
1: No, they have quite a, quite a decent squad and a great atmosphere in their home stadium in Borussia Park. So it's always very difficult to win there. And um, I always have the impression, or I had the impression when they qualified for Europe, that they weren't experienced enough to... Uh, to be good in Europe and now um, they're on a good way again to qualify and they're one of the positive surprises for me in the, in the Bundesliga season this year because I didn't expect them to be that good with the new head coach uh, Marco Rosa but they're very stable, they're uh, winning and winning and winning and uh, they're on a good way to top four for this year. Unlucky Definitely. for uh, for my club by Leverkusen, but we still because we still need to catch them to. I'm uh...
0: glad I mean, like, have only lost one in their
1: last six games. You know they they
0: know how to go out around their business and yeah, get la-
1: wins. Luckily, their next game is against Leverkusen, so really looking forward to that. Well,
2: I, I, I think that's um, I'm going to be looking forward to that game A because um, out of all the teams that I watched this this weekend. Gladbach were the team that uh, actually played quite different to the rest of the sides. The so majority of the sides were your high pressure, your Gagum pressure, you want to call it, with your high defensive line, pressure from the top, um, which early uh, early doors can seem a bit risky because when your players are not fully fit, match fit, you can seem to pick your way through it. And there was a couple of times where the defending for me kind of left a lot to be desired across a number of teams. Whereas, Gladback seemed to take a more direct approach, maybe not quite such a high press, but they were certainly trying to get, you mentioned his name, Alessand Play, I, yeah, I don't know how yeah, you say it, yeah. pronounce it, and uh, as you say Turam as well, they were to utilise those two players, and they did so to devastate an effect in this game. Is is that the case, Flo? A, a, a Munchen Gladbach kind of a, a more direct team as opposed to the sort of tradition or the the standard that is now the Gagan press that's pl- deployed by quite a number of teams in the in the in the league, or is it just the case for this game? That's
1: how they how it played out. I I could have to admit I couldn't quite hear you because I had some struggling with the uh, with ah. sound. And actually, at the moment,
2: oh, have we lost flow there?
1: And
0: might have a little technical difficulty there. I'm sure Flo will be back in a few moments. Um from from what I know about, about Bundesliga football, but you are right. They do play a slightly different different way. You know, they, I think they try and play football. That a lot a lot of the other tides in, in the Bundesliga that you're right, they have that, you know, we'll absorb, absorb, absorb and then just hit you with like high press, we'll press from the front, you know, your strikers They'll, they'll play uh, a front three and they'll be putting a lot of pressure on they it's very rare that a top side will be able to play uh well a, a lesser side so to speak will be able to play the ball from out the back very well because the because the you know the good sides will be putting that high pressure on early doors we have just lost flow for a few moments but I'm sure he'll be back in in a couple of seconds um I think that's him I think that's him
2: I think that's him, but yeah, um, Dort- uh, Dortmund, Munching glad back. I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by them. I mean, Martin did mention to me that he he thought that they would be a fairly good side to watch, and yeah, uh, those two players, and Alathan play, and and Turam certainly stood out as one of those of those players who, on this first weekend, as players to keep an eye on. Whether that's down to the fact that they're again naturally fit athletes. I mean, Turam, you've got to think he's he's coming from good stock there from the. Uh, from his father, um, exactly. um, uh, but uh, uh, some play. I don't really know too much about him. Uh, he seems, feels like he's kind of. You mentioned that he's linked with Barcelona. Um, hmm. Has it? I'm sure he's played in the Italian leagues, hasn't he? Uh, before before this season.
0: He's been around for uh, for. A while. I say he's been around for a while. he has been more under the radar for a while because he's not exactly the oldest player in the world. But he does score goals and he bags. And as I said, "Is that was his ninth in twenty-three appearances?" And Barcelona will be able to pick him up relatively cheap because it's not very often that a player leaves the German league for stupid mega bucks. It's it can be a lot of money, but I reckon a bid of like 50, 50 to sixty million, that that would be more than enough to prize him away. From uh, uh, from Mönchengladbach, um, we're going to move on to another game, and um, and hope that we'll be able to get Florian back in a few moments because we really want to know more about uh, about Leverkusen and his role there. Um, Augsburg one, Wolfsburg two. I wasn't really expecting that result um, prior to the game. I sort of was, but the way the game panned out, I wasn't expecting it. I thought Augsburg might have actually been able to do something about it. Um, Stephens with the opener goal, Renato Steffens with the header uh, just before half-time. What a, he- a header that was. He's is is headed that for about 17 yards out.
2: It was, go- it was lovely. I love a good power header. I love a good power header.
0: He's literally he's used every single neck muscle in the world. Um, Paolo uh, Paolo Ottavio with the cross he's a Brazilian left back I can't see him ever getting caps for the national side anytime soon but he's, he's alright all you know does the job you know like those sort of players you know, they, they're alright they're okay um, the second goal um, it was it was well it was an equaliser it was from Yedvai. Uh, he converted after Castells failed to, to deal with it the, the, the ball was it was almost like a bit of a goal line clearance the, the ball went towards the goalkeeper he tried to get it and it sort of went through his hands onto the bar I think it might have actually bounced in before it, before it went in but it, uh, it, it, it there was someone there on the line ready to put it home and that made it to uh, sorry, 1-1 but it should have been 2-1 to Augsburg
2: Um, so I didn't get to see too much of this game. So what? Uh, what was the part where you're referring to? I saw the goals, well, well, it's, but it's I didn't very, very similar
0: game. to the situation in the Leipzig Freiburg game. Was a well? Is it a player? Was he in the in the eye line of the goalkeeper? Well, when the header was made, right. he, he he ducked out the way. Completely. So it wasn't uh, for me I don't think he was in the eye line of the goalkeeper.
2: Again, it's the law. Is it, it maybe it's not so much VAR but the law that needs to be examined. Um I was gonna I was gonna say is flow is flow there with us, uh obviously he's still having those those technical issues there. Uh, i it, it, flow, can you can you hear us?
0: I think flow's back. Yeah uh, guys, can you hear me? Welcome back, son. Yes.
1: Oh, there we no. go. Sorry, sorry for technical <laughs> difficulties.
0: That's
2: oh, it's o- it's okay. We we have been.
1: We, we have it. This every is
2: what week. happens. Yeah, this is what happens. So, no, we're not. please don't don't feel bad there, Flo. We were just talking about Augsburg there. Um, we were just hoping, obviously, you can come back in time so we can talk to you about your role that you have at Leverkusen, which I'm sure we're going to get onto very shortly. Yeah,
0: we'll get onto that in, in a few moments for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, we were just talking about the moment where Augsburg thought they took the lead to make it 2-1, uh, but they didn't. Uh, it was ruled out by VAR. Uh, Wolfsburg did, in the end, go on and win that game. And uh, it was uh, Kevin and Babu's cross. What was a beautiful cross? And at the end of it was uh, was Daniel Jinchek, and he, he made it two one. But um, yeah, we'll we'll move on to the, the the first game of this afternoon, which was Cologne versus Mainz. Now this had a bit of everything, and it was a very uh, exciting and interesting game to watch.
2: I thought it was very interesting. I thought personally, for me, this was the best game that I saw this weekend.
0: I think this is this is why I've been telling people Bundesliga is one of the most exciting leagues in world football and people need to watch it more because it's. you don't always have to know all the players and know everything that's going on in order to enjoy it. I know a few of the players at Cologne and Mainz, particularly one in Mainz, uh, Ricky Kwaison, Palermo legend. So, so, of course, I'm going to know him. But... It, you know, they've, they've got a like Mark Oop there and things like that. You know, there's some, there's some names that are around, but, but it's just watching was... the spectacle of the game
2: was the, the, other, the other lad that stood out to me. I, so I thought, Draxler? Doesn't he play for BSG? But it was actually Drexler, wasn't Drexler. it? Was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but he, he, to me, stood out. I mean, it was a lovely cross from him for the first goal, the header at the back post, where he just whipped it right across the six-yard box. And it was, it was a, gorgeous play, a gorgeous play. But he certainly stood out along with, how do you say I know it's spelled U-T-H, but I don't know how to pronounce Uth. it. Is it U-T? U-T? U-T. Uh, U-T. It's, there we go, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly like this game. Col- Col- you know, being Arsenal fans, we know that's where we signed Lucas Podolski from, and that's uh, he came through their youth side, didn't he? Before he went to Bayern Munich and then came back to them. Um, uh, Podolski it, it is a little bit of a cult hero at Arsenal, I, I think, from the uh, from his uh, hammer of a left foot, would always pop up with a with a goal uh, quite often, um, but. This game was quite, as I say, was a very good advert for German football, I think. And um, I, I don't know, is, is that you, a Cologne and, um, and Mines usually involved in the more entertaining games of German football? Is this kind of a, a usual thing for them, or is it just in case this game just happened to be
1: that way? Well, I'm with, uh, with what Gav said before that German, German foot, Bundesliga is so unpredictable. So the same game could have been like a boring nil-nil, for example, and you, you, you never know what you get if you have these teams in the middle of the league. And Cologne, for example, they had uh, a poor start in the league; they were the last place. They everyone said they're gonna straight relegate again, and out uh, of a sudden they changed the coach, and since then they were like second or third best team in the Bundesliga. So I believe in the last ten, ten, twelve games since they changed the coach. They had eight, win- eight wins or something like that.
0: It was an eight and 12, wow. wasn't
1: it? Yeah, something like that. They performed very, very good. Before Christmas, after Christmas, no one expected that. And Cologne fans, they are quite uh, euphorical fans. So yes. they were saying, we are, we're going straight back to Europe again. And uh, as I'm a Leverkusen supporter and Cologne is our big rival, so we only have 15 kilometres between our say, it's down the road, isn't it? yeah I, I I can't like this development for sure <laughs> um, the first goal
0: the first goal came from a penalty, and we knew that it was going to be a penalty. referee had no decision, no mind to to you know not give it, but then there was still a two and a half minute wait before VAR decided that it definitely was a penalty, and that felt very Premier League it was very it was very, very frustrating um but then just after half time, is at the far post, lovely cross. Bosch goal. Cologne were comfortable. They had nothing to worry about whatsoever. Yet nine minutes later, Oweni he gets one back, and then an equaliser from Kunde, um, Kunde Malong. I he he was he was on he was the youth player at Atlético Madrid and didn't quite make it. He his goal. Were, when I was watching the commentary, they were like, "Oh my god! You know what? An amazing goal." What were the Cologne defence and midfield thinking? He's literally just walked in a straight line past six people. Lovely finish. But where's the, what happened to their defence?
1: I could watch the uh, the match either today, so maybe Alex, uh, if you saw something, just yeah, you, yes, you
0: you, you you had the grassroots thing going on. And I said, like, I'm i, I will not going to argue with that. Oh, that's a, <laughs> a very legitimate excuse. <laughs>
2: yes, um, so no, it was um, this game. It's funny, as you say, Gab Cologne were very comfortable, two uh, 0 up, and Minds were looking to struggle. And then I don't know what happened. Whether Minds uh, were not playing to their usual identity, but I mentioned to Martin, there was a couple of moments before they actually scored their first goal where it almost seemed like it was kamikaze defending where they just literally had one covering defender in the centre of the pitch and all the other defenders are kind of pushed up in a line in front of him and it sort of seemed to push the whole team even further up the field. Um, and I was saying to Martin, oh God, if if they're not careful here, Cologne could go on and score another two or three, well, two or three goals a stretch, but at least another goal or two uh, to make this a real embarrassment for Mines, but what that seemed to do, it seemed to get Mines going and Cologne couldn't under- withstand the pressure, um, which then obviously got those two goals back and um, yeah, that, that 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 second goal, yes it was a very good goal, drive and run for midfield, which again shows when you've got a player who can commit players in the middle of the park, they're worth their weight in gold, um, it was a very lovely finish, but yeah, you have to quite question the lone defenders whether they thought he was going to pass it off to a to another player. So they thought, well, okay, we don't really need to confront him. That seemed to me that how that comment came about. But in the end, he finished well.
0: He did. He did indeed. Um, the last game that will uh, that we just need to cover very quickly, um, and it is very quickly because it finished 0-0, uh, However. I don't think it was the most boring game in the history of mankind. It was um, Dusseldorf, Fortuna Dusseldorf nil, Paderborn nil. Um Dusseldorf have got a player who I really, really like. And I've liked him. I didn't really know much about him until England played against Kosovo. And it's Barisha, And I was like, that lad's really good. I need to do a bit of research on him. And he's been around a little bit. And he, he hit the post and he hit the bar. And then um, Stephen... How are we going to pronounce this? Difficult Skri- name. Scribski. Skri- Skri- Scribski. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he, he, he had an absolutely, uh, ab- you know, proper rocket shot. And that also hit the post as well. So very, very unfortunate. But it wasn't the greatest game. And I don't think we should talk about that one anymore. But what we will talk about... Um, is the game tomorrow night, which is also available to watch on BT Sport, 7:30 um, PM UK time, and that is Werder Bremen versus um, some team. Um, I don't know. I don't know who the other team are. Right, um, <laughs> <on F-line>. um, <laughs> against... airflow. <laughs> That's against Bayer Leverkusen. So uh, we'll talk about what we think is going to happen here first, and then we want to know more about about your role at Bayer Leverkusen um th- this should be a straightforward victory for, for leverkusen
1: it should be definitely like bremen is the the worst team at home this year they only got 5 points in their home matches so far and we are quite quite good away team and we're quite good team anyway but you never know it with leverkusen our team is one team which can beat Bayern Munich and is afterwards very likely to lose against, I don't know, someone from the bottom of the league. So, um, always expect the unexpected with Leverkusen. I, I hope and I uh, I want them to win, but uh, I can imagine that, they, I don't know, that they're somewhere else with their heads or something like that, or not not focused, not concentrated or not winning enough and maybe they, they lose. I don't know, this, this would be a typical way of uh, Leverkusen losing, but still I'm very confident because we have the way better players that we should... Uh, Get to oh, three so points from the north.
0: Werder Bremen guess, used to be a very, very good side back in the day. What's 100%. happened to them in the last 10 years?
2: Yeah, because they, they're in the relegation zone are Are they in the relegation zone? They are in the
1: relegation zone. They're at they from bottom. Well, they, they were maybe a little behind Bayern Munich from 2000 to 2010. They had great years, especially with the championship in 2004. They won the cup in 2009 against uh, us, unfortunately. And uh, they were always like the number two in Germany in times before Borussia Dortmund again, rose again. And uh, yeah, they invested too much and couldn't keep going with the, their investment in terms of, uh, of success. So they, they didn't qualify for Europe again. And uh, yeah, they declined. And afterwards, they needed to, uh, to save money. So they needed to, to sell their best players. And now, since the last couple, seven or eight years, they're... Uh, Always playing at the bottom of the table, like between number eight and number fifteen, they had a couple of better years, a couple of worse years, but um, yeah, they're not the same they have been fifteen years ago, definitely not. And I don't think that they will uh, climb the table that fast because they still have some some financial issues. They're not on the same level. Like the top five clubs, because uh, the range is getting wider and wider if you qualify for Champions League or if you're someone who's qualified for Champions League compared to someone who hasn't, and uh, it will be very difficult for Werder bremen to to come back where they've been
2: i've I've got a question so i want to uh, talks about Werder Bremen struggles there I want to focus on, on Leverkusen. and one player in particular, which um I'm sure a lot of, a lot of football fans here. Or hardcore football fans here in England will know uh, Kai Havertz. Um, so talk to us about. I mean, have you had any dealings at all, or what's the, what's the view on Havertz? Has he been known to a lot of fans and general from a young age, and he's always been kind of uh, this, this lad here. We've
1: kind of got a bit of a one um, in terms of his talent. Um, uh, I couldn't hear you that good, but I heard you were talking about Kai Havertz. So I'm just gonna go straight forward. I guess, I guess. what you said is, or uh, what, what what everyone can say, that he definitely is our golden boy in Leverkusen at the moment. He's uh, great abilities. He has a great look over the field. Yeah. He's uh, trying to to lead already at those young ages. He was our captain for several times in the in the past weeks, and um he's a big, a huge promise to the future of German football. And it was like very impressive when he started. He was 17 years ago, uh, 17 years old, four years ago, I believe that was. He just won the German under-17 championship with our under-17 team. And a couple of months later, he played in Wembley against Tottenham in front of 90,000 spectators, and still as cool as, an, uh, as ice. Yeah, and he was, he's a good goal scorer. He has a good, uh, good overview over the pitch. He's really, really unbelievable and it's great luck for us that he he plays for Leverkusen at the moment. He had little problems at the beginning of the season or in the, in the middle of the season, but uh, I guess he's uh, he's over that and he will be as good as he was at the end of last season again. And uh, there will be no way for us to keep him, to keep him a very long time, Leverkusen. But we're lucky that he still has a two-year contract, so we don't need to sell him this year if the price doesn't fit. So uh, we will see what happens in summer, but I believe those high class players and such high potential players, uh, there will be a club who will pay a huge amount of money for him. And unless someone pays 100 million and more, we won't sell him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Set, set his stall out. He's, a, he's an absolute talent. There's, every time I watch um, him from the national side, when I watch him for you guys, I get excited. He excites mm. me a bit like how how julian brandt is, uh, does or did for you guys you know uh, Yeah, Rebic. actually, best friends not, not Revitch um, was um at um uh, uh frankfurt who's the lad that, uh, there was a ladder you had up front um not too long ago, but he was like he he you you play a nice brand of football as well a bit like the the gladback style of football you know you 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 play it's quite possession-based, but exciting possession-based. You're not just passing the ball sideways just to get stats up. You're passing the ball and you you find little pockets and you find little holes where things happen and create things and just make it really exciting and easy on the eye to watch. I really think that people should be tuning in tomorrow night or um, if you're watching this or listening back to it on Monday, later on, to, to, um, to watch Leverkusen and see how they play football. It's a brilliant brand. But, I want to know more about you, Flo, and what you do at Bayer Leverkusen.
1: Okay. Um, I work in the membership department, actually, from our club. And uh, I have two big membership clubs I'm working with, two target groups. And these are the target groups of the youth. So 13 to 18 years old, I need to acquire members member this, uh, this age. And 55 plus, like our senior citizen membership, those are the, the most important target groups for me. So I'm uh, I'm doing events for them. I'm I'm in touch with all the fans. I'm like the the person they can talk to if they have any questions about Leverkusen, if they have any needs, any something like that. And um, my task is to increase our uh, our number of members every day, basically. So we have. Uh, at the moment, we've run about 28,000. Our aim is to is to get 30,000 in the par uh, in the next couple of months, and uh, we will see if we can achieve it. But I can tell you that working with senior citizens is way more interesting, and uh, it's better than working with youth because the youth they always like they have the hat here, they have the hat the there, they have girls, drinks, I don't know something like that, and football is somewhere else. Uh, but the senior citizens. They're like 55 plus, but they're all—they're not that old. Also, So I don't have the 80 years old. I still have some people who can be working or who you can work with, who so you can drink and beer with, who uh, love to go to the stadium and who haven't been different when they were young. So they were telling me quite often. So oh, when I was your age, I was drunken every weekend, something like that. And it's cool that, you know, doing the, the tours with us, for example, at Union Berlin. Berlin, I was there with uh, 55 elder, elderly people, so they, they really enjoyed the match there. And we're doing the true Europe. I've been to Juventus Turin with them in this Champions League group stage. And um, they love it and I love it too because it's like kind of a way to combine my, my hobby and, uh, and my job, what makes me uh, very, very happy. Uh,
2: so, I've got a well, Hopefully, you'll be able to hear, hear me here. So, how did you manage to get into working for Leverkusen? How uh, did you manage to... Uh, get into that job? Would, would you have a job elsewhere in football? And you know, sort, of, sort of, now in Everett, or was it a case of you to always work in football and you've now managed to find that role within within the club that you're at now?
1: Yeah, it was quite a quite difficult way. I started with an internship in 2015 when I was a student, and uh, before I could start that internship, my actual boss, and nowadays a good friend of me, refused me three times. So he said, like, oh, I don't, I don't want you. I said, I, I tried it again. He again said, I don't want you. I tried it again. I don't know. I was talking to his aunt because Leverkusen is like a small place. We have only like 150,000 inhabitants. So I was uh, trying to pull all strings I could pull. And then he invited me to, uh, to a talk inside the company. And afterwards, I... It seems that I performed quite well because I had an internship for six months, and then I was working on a on a lower basis, just a couple of hours a week. Then it, uh, yeah, it increased, it increased, and since two years, I am fully employed. So
0: that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Just having someone right on the inside of Leverkusen, like right, okay, you know, and um, just be just uh, let you know that. uh, you know, and then we like to you know, go abroad and watch the odd game and that. So <laughs> if, um, if we need to get a, a ticket at Leverkusen, you know just
1: uh... You are definitely invited to Leverkusen, for sure. To top on top. I will, I will uh, organize the tickets, I'll show you the best places to go around here. Maybe I'll show you a little of Cologne, which is quite a nice city, although they have a shit football club, but uh... <laughs> 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 I guess you will have great time here watching football. More than likely will. Now, I'm just going to put
0: the fixtures up for next weekend. Um, of, course, of course, next week we've got, well, tomorrow we've got Werder um, Bremen versus uh, Leverkusen but on Friday it's the Berlin Derby it's um, Hertha versus Union Berlin don't really think it matters who has home advantage in that Um, then we've got on Saturday 2.30 all these games are on the telly box as well so you'll be able to watch it it's it's Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Leverkusen Ooh, that is now that is that is the game to watch everybody needs to watch that game and we'll be talking about it all week Uh, Wolfsburg versus Dortmund Freiburg versus Bremen, uh, Paderborn versus Hoffenheim. And then on Saturday, uh, sorry, that is Saturday. Saturday, 5.30, I should say, is Bayern versus Frankfurt. Um, Sunday afternoon, well, lunchtime, it should say, is Schalke versus Augsburg. And then we've got Mainz versus Leipzig. And the Sunday evening game before our show next week is Cologne versus Dusseldorf. So that is what is going on this week. You've been watching it's Man, Alex Osborne and, uh, and Flo for Two Up Top, the weekly football review show for the Bundesliga. This week, we've got five in midfield. So it's our top five. So make sure you watch that seven o'clock on Thursday night. And make sure you also follow all our social media links there coming along the bottom of your screen. There's your Twitter page. Um, so, uh, yeah, make sure you like that. Um, you should be watching us on Facebook, so like that. Um, I just
2: want to know what he thinks the score is going to be tomorrow evening.
0: Oh, we'll get that. We'll get that. I'm doing my social media links. Okay. <laughs> um, and then um, the YouTube channel. So make sure you like, share, subscribe as you're meant to be doing that sort of stuff. So, yeah, make sure that you tune in. Um, to be well, it's going to be on BT Sport. Not that we work for BT Sport or advertise BT Sport, but it's the only way to watch Bundesliga football in this country legally. So it is Werder Bremen versus Bayer Leverkusen. What are your score predictions, Alex? Uh,
2: so I'm going to I'm going to go with a two one victory for Leverkusen. I think it both sides, as shown from the rest of the games this weekend, is going to Match fitness is not going to be there because we, have, we haven't played for two months. So, but Leverkusen being the superior team, I would expect them to to um, be the ones to make the, to, to get the victory in the end. And I'm going to go with a two-one victory there uh, for Leverkusen.
1: Flo, I'm going with a three-one victory for Leverkusen for sure because our offense is uh, is massive, and uh, I believe that this will be the key to win the match.
0: Yeah, and I just think it's very leaky at the back for, for Bremen. They've not had a very good time. And unfortunately, for such a big side, it will be a shame for them to go down. I think they will get relegated this season. I'm going with a comfortable 3-0 victory. Um, I, can't, I can't see Leverkusen uh, shipping a goal. But from everybody at the two up Top Team, thank you and goodbye.